When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Our guest this week, new St. Louis County Prosecuting Attorney Wesley Bell, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, as all of our guests on the Tim McKernan Show are. Uh, And uh, Wesley Bell is uh, the one known throughout not just the St. Louis area, but I think the country, because he pulled off one of the biggest upsets uh, in politics in August by defeating longtime St. Louis County prosecuting attorney Bob McCullough. And the reason why it got national notoriety is because uh, many viewed it as a referendum on Ferguson. And so that made people discuss Ferguson once again. And so it was good to get Wesley in to the HomeLoanExpert.com studios to get his perspective on whether or not he felt that was the case, uh, get his background, why this office was something he had been interested in for a very long time, and then also what he wants to do differently. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, um, and I know that uh, Pete, our producer, and Nick, our videographer, really enjoyed it as well. And as Nick says, uh, as a young cat at 23, 24 years old, he goes, yeah, usually I, the politics ones I'm not all that into. He goes, but this one I really liked. And and so uh, I, I hope that uh, you give uh, this listen a chance and uh, and learn something about the new St. Louis County Prosecuting Attorney, Wesley Bell. He is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, as all of our guests are. The end of the year is fast approaching, and this is the time to get your year-end finances set up. For a lot of us, we have young kids, and planning for education costs is on our minds. Mark Hanna reminded me that in both Missouri and Illinois, you may be eligible for a state tax deduction for putting money into a 529 plan. But for 2018, you have to put the money in by the end of the year. Don't wait. Things are always so busy for all of us. And for most of us, we put off doing things to the last minute. Call Mark Hanna at 314-889-0503 and he can help you figure out if a college savings plan is the right thing for your needs. Talk to Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies, evergreenstl.com. Mark helps everyday people meet their financial goals by helping them to create a clear picture of their finances. It's Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our presenting sponsor of our guest this week here on the Tim McKernan Show, Wesley Bell. All right, Wesley, I'm going to start with it because I see it gets you fired up, and that's 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 Missouri football. So I got to I got to go with the thing that's going to get you going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a Missouri guy. I'm a Missouri guy. Class of 2001 Missouri law. Mm-hmm. This moment as we sit here now, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but Missouri uh, is coming off the Kentucky loss. A little a little frustrating. It, it is a little frustrating, but I'll say this: um, I I am I believe in Barry Odom. You do. You're on the record. Though. I'm on the record of believing in Barry Odom. Um, he actually reached out to me, um, so I got we we've texted a few times. Oh, is that right? I, I think he's I, I think he is on the right track. We're just right there. We're right there on the cusp. Um, this is a good team, and I think that game, even though we, you know, there was some things at the end that that contributed to the uh, loss, but this is a talented team that they're putting together. I think they can play with anybody. Maybe not Alabama, that's a tough <laughs> one. but 
Um, I, I think I think we're heading in the right direction. How do you, do you, did you know Barry from? Because Barry and I had some classes together when we oh, were really? in Missouri. Yeah. No, I don't know him from that. I, I just know, knew him from now being. He reached out yeah? and caught me completely off guard. He didn't have to do that. He, he invited me up uh, to come, um, you know, to come up to the to the campus. But um, I just like the attitude. I, I think it's a no nonsense, um, and I'm big on accountability. He doesn't point fingers. You know, he he takes the blame if there's something, even if it's not his fault. Sometimes. Yeah. But but uh, that was a tough one. That was a tough loss. I'm still hurting about that. Yeah. <laughs> there have been hurt. a couple this year. But we're, little, uh... we're, 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 we're heading in the right direction. And you're a Cardinal fan as well. Oh, Big Cardinal yes. fan, yeah. Man, I'm from St. Louis. Uh, I know, I know. I but like, for like me, that. it's like, <laughs> like the 1980s Cardinals to me are like the greatest. That's what I grew up on. So Vince Coleman's my guy. Willie McGee. Willie McGee. Ozzie I'm Smith, a, John Tommy Tudor Earn. is my favorite pitcher of 1985, all time. 1985, he started off like 0-5, and, and then he and went on a heater. 21-7. And and yes, and and, yeah. um, no, the I'm 85 a, Cardinals my favorite team. Yeah, the, the heat is on, Cardinals. That's right. I, the, the, I, I'm, that's what I grew up on. I still, I, and that's what, as much as I love Matt Carpenter, I do. I hate him in leadoff <laughs> because I want a guy who can run because that's what I was raised <laughs> Vince on. Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman, right. I would sit there and I'd watch the first base pit because it was a pit because it was the turf. Mm-hmm. And I would watch the first base pit when he was on more than home plate because I wanted to watch him turn and just, like, fly. Just or like watch McGee go from first to third. Wasn't that the best? He was, like, on an angle. He's like, on a 45-degree angle, and he would make the turn. He looked like a complete non-athlete, but he was probably the best athlete <laughs> Absolutely. on the team. Oh, it was but, the greatest. It was yeah. the greatest. Uh, where did you go to, uh, to high school? I went to high That's the St. Louis question. I, I am obligated to ask it. I'm a <laughs> Hazelwood East Spartan. Spartan. Uh, what year? Uh, 92. Oh, played, so you got shipped by the St. Louis U High Junior, junior Billikens in the. Uh, you know, really I saw that. Look at that facial that? expression. <laughs> really had to go there. <laughs> Steve yeah. Schnur, Jason Dulick. But you know what? Um, it, since you went there, we were kind of we were kind of played on in that. The, the the weather was horrible. Oh, these, wow, you're gonna you're gonna go. You're oh going, yeah, oh, these I guys like this. came that I, out. That I had a source by. This these is great. guys came I mean, out with spikes in the second half. Like you know us us. Kids are mean, mean from Hazelwood. Air. We can afford that stuff. So we have regular cleats. We're slipping and sliding. Man, give us a, a even playing field. It wouldn't even You'd like a close. rematch twenty five years later. Yes, even now. <laughs> yes, I'd love to see that. Actually, I'd love I to would. see that. I you would, would not want to see, yeah. not want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Schnur and Dulick and Pfeiffer. Man, there was a, there were some teams. <laughs> so we had, had some. We had some dogs. Yeah, Damani Cross, who, who yes, who's defensive Barry's coordinator, defensive coordinator. Because I played. Um, Flanker. So when we did that, that Sumner reverse, Damani was my lead blocker. So I, I had this six three guy. I couldn't even see around him. I'm just following him. But Ronnie Ward made it to the league. Um, he played for the Dolphins for a few years. The year before us was Terrell Fletcher. Yeah, um, who made it played. Who had a great career at San Diego. Um, so yeah, we had we had some we had some good players and had it not been for weather. You guys would have found that out as well. Preston gives me crap about that too. Preston Humphreys, if you're listening, our, our mutual, our mutual friend Preston Humphreys. Yeah. yeah, you might be stunned to hear that I wasn't a part of that St. Louis U High team. Being the physical specimen that I am, that would have been a huge shock. Me. Yeah, isn't that a, isn't as soon that as I saw you, I'm thinking that's a football. That's player, a miss right for Gary Cornfield. He would have won. Would have beat Jeff City. If he would have but had. you, you played. You, but you did play sports. Though. Were you yeah, at St. Gabriel's in grade school. <laughs> I got Fair cut enough. from the freshman football team, the freshman basketball team, and the freshman baseball team. Hey, MJ and now did I, too. <laughs> that's exactly you know, right. I'm a late bloomer. You're, yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> exactly. So I was talking with Preston 
And I and he said, whatever you want to know, I think the world of Wesley. And I said, oh, cool. I certainly want to. I certainly want to know whatever. He goes. Interesting. He's never said that. He's to never me. said that to no. you. He <laughs> says it to me. He texts me that. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, how? What's 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 his story? How did this all come? How did this all come to pass? And he said, I know some people probably won't even believe this, but he had his eyes on being the St. Louis County prosecuting attorney before Ferguson because you felt like you could tell the system was out of whack and you wanted to be the person to help lead the change. And this is pre-Ferguson. He says, I know, he goes, I know people won't believe that, but that's the truth because I've known him for so long and think the world of him is a, is a man of integrity. And, and you know what? And not only Preston, but a few other of my friends have reminded me of that uh, because sometimes you get caught up in the here and now. You know, Ferguson... That was a lot of work. You know, we really had to roll up our sleeves and help, um, um, you know, move the city from where it was in 2014 to where it is now. Um, but, yeah, you know, I started off as a public defender and I worked. Um, so I dealt with that office a lot. And there were just things that I, I thought that there were opportunities to do so much more that would not only help people, but also keep St. Louis County safer. And and so, yeah, he he as well as a couple other friends independently reminded me of that, um, that that's that 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 is a position that I always thought that, man, there's an a, there's potential to make a big impact. Uh, matter of fact, a friend of mine, he's a now he's a partner at Sandberg Phoenix, Tim O'Leary. Um, I got a chance to and what we've been doing is we've been kind of on our listening tour and reaching out to members of law enforcement all across the region attorneys, but also community groups. And so one of the stops was at Sandberg Phoenix and, and Tim O'Leary pulled me to the side. And he was like, you know, Wes, we talked about this like 15 years ago. And I was like, 15 years ago, something in that range. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been practicing for 17 years and I started as a public defender and Tim at the time was a prosecutor in the city at circuit attorney's office. And yeah, he reminded me of that conversation. And, and I know Preston, um, uh, we, you know, I would confide in him, with with just about anything um and yeah a lot of people are reminding me of those conversations and and um and so yeah it it is a uh, you know it is a blessing it is I, I am honored and i take this very seriously and 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 i think there's some things that we can do good again i think the job of the county prosecutor is to help people but also keep people safe and those aren't mutually exclusive yeah, I, I think back to 15 years ago, so you're just two years removed from law school at this mm-hmm. point. Why were you thinking, if it is indeed right around that time when you were thinking, why had you identified that as something that you wanted to aspire to at such a young age? You know, I, it wasn't so much that I actually thought it would happen at that time. It just was one of those things like, man, if I had my choice of jobs, I think that's where I'd go. At that time, politics was not on my radar. Um And so, um, but just working as a, you know, as a public defender and, you know, I'm representing the most vulnerable, the poorest people in our communities. So I'm seeing it from the lowest levels, you know, relative, um, anecdotally speaking. And, and I just thought that there was an opportunity to really make an impact. And, and I, and you can see, or I could see early on that, you know, as any young attorney, you want to make a difference and you think, hey, one day I could be a judge and then I can really make a difference. And and um, several years ago, I got that, op- that, uh, that honor, that opportunity. And once I got that opportunity, it didn't, it didn't take me long to realize, no, the real impact is from the prosecutor's office. As the judge, 
90 plus percent of the cases, by the time they reach me, they're already resolved. But the prosecutor, in addition to working out um, plea deals, decides who gets charged or who doesn't get charged. Or, you know, as a municipal court prosecutor now, I can say, hey, you got this ticket or you got um, you had this whatever uh, um, or uh, violation. If you do X, then I won't charge you. You go to driving school. We'll, we'll dismiss your fines. You have that ability to help people. And so now the, as the county prosecutor, I'm looking at that from a bigger scale. There's more that we can do. And I'm a big advocate for um, implementing and further expanding diversion programs like drug treatment programs and mental health programs for nonviolent offenders. And so, again, I want to be clear for, so people don't misconstrue. Once you commit violent offenses, that's a different ball game. You're going to be held accountable. But we're but we know that most people don't jump right into violent crimes. They start at nonviolent crimes. And if we catch them there, give them the treatment, the tools they need, the job skills, the mental health care, they are significantly less likely to progress to the violent crimes. And so we're going to expand that. And there's another win that we get out of that by not focusing so many resources on misdemeanor marijuana possession, which is not harming anyone. Now we can take those same man hours, those same woman hours and reallocate them to the serious and violent crimes. So now not only are we helping people at the low levels who aren't who don't threaten the community and they just need help. But now we have more resources mm-hmm. to focus on the serious stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I think is going to catch a lot of people's attention. I think and I could be wrong on this, but on election night, the biggest news was your win. And I think in part because people didn't even realize that that Bob McCullough was in a position to lose. I really Mm -hmm. think that was part of it, especially as we know, St. Louis is divided Mm -hmm. and especially south of Del Mar, so to speak. People Mm -hmm. are going, whoa, what's 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 going on here? Um, So let's start with your campaign and your decision to run. What was your thought process when you decided to run for this office? So I I think there's Three things that you need to do if you're going to run for office. Um, so if anybody cares of my thoughts, here, here they are. Uh, yeah, I can. One, you gotta, um, you, you can't concede particular areas. You can't go in saying, hey, I'm only going to focus on one group. No. If you're the county prosecutor, you represent all of St. Louis County. And so we weren't going to say, hey, we're just going to focus in North County or Mid County. No, we went out and actively campaigned in South County and West County. I wanted to make sure everyone out there uh, felt that they had a voice uh, in the reforms in the in the, in our administration, and I thought that was important to set that tone early. I think you have to. Secondly, you gotta you gotta you gotta look at the numbers. You gotta you you have to put a plan together. You gotta put good people around you. I'm, I'm I was fortunate to have some really good people. Josie Nielsen, who's here, who's here in studio. Um, LaRonda Wilson, who's worked on every campaign. People like Preston Humphrey, who's always been supportive, but um, um, so many, and so many others. I don't mm-hmm. want to start naming names because then I'll start leaving people out. Love you guys if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but you want to get good people in place, put a plan together and execute that plan. Uh, you know, one thing that I learned early is that there's going to be a lot of um, there's going to be a lot of pitfalls. There's going to be a lot of distractions. But when you're on the defense, you're losing. 
You got to stick to your plan. You're going to hear lies about you. And if you run for office, and I'm guessing in your field, too, you're probably going to hear just stuff made up. Oh, yeah. And, it's not you know, fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun, but you got you to gotta be able to take it. That's part of it. And 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 I've learned that, you know, I, I get texts, man, this person said this about you. And, you know, when I, the first time I ran, it just crushed me. I'm like, really? Like, you know, you see yourself as a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, overnight, you're a villain to some people. And. I've been called all kind of names, but, you know, I learned to roll with the punches. And so you get a good team around you, execute it, you stay on, um, you stay on that plan, and then you let those good people do their job. Um, you know, when I look at um, people like Tim Swope, Josie, um, all types of people, man, we fuss and fight all the time, but then we work it out and then we move forward. Um, and, and then last, you got to look at the temperature of the room. You got to know, you got to look at, you know, and and be objective about what does the county need or whatever area you're running for, what's needed and what messages will resonate. And so we thought that with so much division in the county that we wanted to push a message of inclusion, that everyone had a plate, a seat at the table whether you were from South County, wherever you were from, West County, North County, Mid County, that you had a seat at this table and that we weren't about, we we were about bringing people in. We we disagree. We don't always see eye to eye, but we got to be willing to work together. And so we knew that that would be a message that would resonate. And then, and then we also knew that it was, there was a need to, for reform. We have a broken criminal justice system. And um, there are a lot of entities that can help improve that, none greater than a county prosecutor. Um, And so um, we stuck to that message. You know, we heard all kind of of stories. Oh, you know, even though I've served as a judge, a prosecutor, a defense attorney, a public defender, well, he's not qualified. He hasn't tried case like serious. I was a public defender. Are you serious? Like I got that's tried. what I remember hearing. I, oh, yeah. the, oh, he hasn't tried a case. I tried my these... first case a month out of law school. Where'd that come from? Well, you know, but that's politics, you know. And, and again, I don't begrudge, you know, people when they're running for office for trying to win. And so, my opponent pushed out a narrative, and with some people, it took hold. But you know, fortunately, the people in the know. Um, you know, like attorneys knew. And like, like, I tried 30 cases my first few years out of, out of law school. I was in the public defender's office. That's not a place you can just sit around and twiddle your thumbs. And then even after that, in 03, when I opened my practice, I primarily did defense work. So in addition to trying so many jury trials, I mean, I was in the juvenile courts, adult courts. I mean, you know, I, I've, you know, I've cut my teeth and, and I've, and I, and, and I think I've, um, uh, I think I've earned my keep, but that's what you're going to hear. Yeah. So, but you know, you keep moving and we're not going to, we weren't going to sit back and get distracted by the nonsense and the, and the lies. We were going to stay on, on the message, continue to bring people in, uh, run a campaign that was inclusive. Notice we were not going to go negative on um, Mr. McCullough. We we didn't do that. We kept it positive. We kept it to the issues. Hey, we're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios with Wesley Bell for this week and always grateful for Ryan Kelly for being a loyal sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show. He's been with us from the very beginning, and that means so much because without him, we wouldn't have a podcast. And uh, he knows that. And that's why I say, hey, Ryan, I'm appreciative, and I want to make sure our audience knows that if they like the podcast, 
you got to support the sponsors. Ryan Kelly is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. If you're buying a home or if you're refinancing, make sure you go to thehomeloanexpert.com. And when you do, you'll see something as simple as this, a five-minute loan approval. You enter your name, you enter your email, you enter in your phone number, and you hit start now. And the next thing you know, you're in business with one of the best you're going to find in the country, the best in the area, and one of the best you're going to find in the country. And why can I say that? Because he continues to grow his business. Thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly is his name, and he will save you money. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. On election night, the morning you woke up, election day, mm-hmm. are you thinking, today's the day. I know I'm going to win. What, what What is your emotion? Because I'm telling you, I think you know, a lot of people are like, Wesley Bell beat Bob McCullough? Who's Wesley Bell? Right. So, okay, so there's going to be some people who are going to laugh about this, people who worked with us. So there was a, we had our small band of merry men and women, and we went into this knowing that we could win this race. Now, as a candidate, you're going to ride the roller coaster of emotion. So, yeah, there, there was times when I'm like, oh, man, there's no way we can win. But for the most part, you know, we put that plan in place. We knew where we had to get voter turnout. We knew where we wanted to reach out and take votes that weren't supposed to be ours. But what we saw in those last eight weeks was just the momentum that was just the energy that was just insane. Everywhere we went, people would come up and say, you know what? Not only am I voting for you, I got three kids in the house who are voting. We're going to make sure they vote. Matter of fact, I'm going to pass out literature in my neighborhood. The energy was crazy. And so I think the media was probably the last to really realize because I think at that six to eight week mark, you know, the, the when I would be out on the streets, people would come to me and just say, you're going to win this. And, and and Josie can remember a conversation where about a week or two before the election, we stopped and got uh, stopped at a fast food restaurant. And we sat outside just to stretch and talk before our next meeting. And just in that 10 minutes we were there, three people walk up, get out of the car. I know you. You're Wesley. I'm voting for you. <laughs> it, it was just the energy was just infectious mm-hmm. and and so, yeah, of course I was scared and I wasn't going to take anything for granted. You're running against a 27-year incumbent. But in my heart of hearts, not only did we believe that we were going to win, we thought we were going to win decisively. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, we were able to. And fortunately, with the help of a lot yeah. of people and a lot of voters and a lot of supporters. I think I think one of the things that I, I love when somebody sits down and I have the opportunity, especially in a podcast format, because yeah. you're not limited to, you know, 140 characters. And we can talk sports at some point. And too. we can do that as well. <laughs> just reminding you, Tim. Just I'm going to you. get your Bryce Harper takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but also that it's not a 15-second soundbite, and so context is lost. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it's something that I have dealt with in my career that drives me up the wall. But like I said, I'm used to it, and I would imagine now you've gotten used to it, which is when people write things or say things that you know are not true, but... Uh, they still get set. And I feel like one of the things that was talked about was, oh, Wesley hasn't tried a case. Yeah. We've tended to that. And then secondarily is, well, the thing about Bob McCullough is he was really hard on crime. Wesley Bell is not going to be hard on crime. I feel like that is also uh, in some capacity mm-hmm. at this moment a narrative that is out there. Yeah. So it's out there. Whether it's accurate or not, you're sitting here. What's your response to that? Um, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a data person. You know, I think that until you track data, 
everything is theoretical. And so here's the data that we know. Since 2012, our homicide rate is up over 100% in St. Louis County. Violent crimes are up, I think, about 76% in St. Louis County. So that approach, whatever you want to label it, is not working. And so what we're going to do and what I support are, and and I'm going to say something that's, to me, in my opinion, simple but yet so profound, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I support policies that work. And so when we look at, when I talked about diversion programs, what we know is that when you take a someone, when you take someone who has a drug addiction and you treat that addiction, research, other case studies around the country show that they are significantly less likely to reoffend. Your biggest demographic of offenders are reoffenders. And so if we start, um, addressing the issue, stop trying to prosecute our way out of addiction because the, the, the traditional model is prosecute them at the minimum, put them on probation. Now my conviction rate goes higher, but all you do is exacerbate the addiction because our jails aren't the best at rehabilitating people. And now they are less marketable. They can't get a job. Mm. And so if, if, if you're an individual who, man, I can go out on the streets and make a couple thousand a week, or I can go the straight and narrow and get a, a job at a fast food restaurant making minimum wage. And then we scratch our head when people reoffend. So what we got to do is start catching those nonviolent offenders before they progress to the violent offenses. That makes us safer. It saves us taxpayer dollars. Let's be clear. It costs about $30,000 a year to incarcerate someone. You save ten to $15,000 per year when you use these kind of programs for nonviolent offenders. And then last, it helps people. So it's a win-win across the board. It brings your crime rates down. Kansas City, which has half our population, half the population of St. Louis County, they have 80% more people in drug treatment than we do. St. Louis County treats about 75 people a year out of 1.1 million people. That's it. Our mental health dockets, and you can all go on the Oscar website and look this up yourself. I, you can look at the mental health um, um, treatment program in St. Louis County. We're talking about uh, through the courts, and this is a lot to do with the prosecutor's office. We know that one in four Americans are struggling with mental health issues. We know that with the those who come in contact with the justice system, 50 to 60 percent need some kind of mental health care. There are 12 people in the mental health treatment docket in St. Louis County. 12, not 1,200, not 12,000, 12. Wow. And so when we're locking these people up with mental health issues, nonviolent offenders, guess what? They come out now, they are more likely to reoffend. So what I'm looking at doing is we're going to be smart. We're going we're gonna to stop focusing so many resources on locking nonviolent offenders up, nonviolent offenders up. We got partners who are already jumping in the fold, like Affinia, who who um, is going to be working with us to expand our health care, our, our treatment programs. And we're going to be able to take those same prosecutors who would be spending countless hours on nonviolent crimes such as drug um, drug possession. And now we can reallocate them to the violent and serious crimes. Um, and I think that's going to keep us safer. And it's shown to keep us safer and bring our crime rates down. That is uh, some fascinating data. 
I think a lot of people probably aren't aware of the vast majority of the numbers that you just stated. One of the things that I've found in traveling around the country, uh, whether it be on the road with the Cardinals uh, for spring training or just going on vacation, but say, where are you from? St. Louis. Oh, man, how's it doing? Because they like they assume that Ferguson was Mm -hmm. like the entire the whole area. Um, But as I understand it, the first car that was set on fire was right in front of your your home. Is that I don't know. Yeah. One of the first. Yeah. And it was um, it was kind of scary in the sense that I was watching on television and the initial report showed a there was a that the angle was from a distance. So I saw my building and I saw fire and I'm thinking, oh, man, my my place is burning down. Then they did the close up and you could see. But still, that's pretty scary. And, And, you know, and at some point when they stopped covering it, you just didn't know. And so, yeah, that was that was that was scary to drive home and and just see this literally like a war zone. The next day when the uh, the National Guard came in, it was literally surreal to see in my neighborhood where I live armed guards like I pull into my parking space and there's like a Hummer, you know, from the National Guard. That was that's not something you expect to see in in the United States of America. Um, But, you know. We, you know, it. We we went to work, and a lot of a lot of people, not just in Ferguson but around the region, went to work. And I think that me being in this office is a manifestation of the need to address that narrative, because, um, um, you know, Amazon or other companies aren't going to come here if there's the perception that there's a crime problem. Um, families aren't going to re- relocate to St. Louis if they. If there's a perception of a of a of a issue with crime, and so I think in addition to keeping St. Louis County residents safer, I think we it's incumbent on myself as well as other leaders to start changing that narrative, and and so that we can make this a destination city once again. There is a perception that your win in part was a referendum on Bob McCullough's handling of Ferguson. What do you think? You know, I think that having knocked on thousands of doors. I think that to some people, there was some truth to that. Others, and I'm many people who, who I knocked on doors who said, you know what, we need to change the criminal. You know, there's been an awakening and awareness of the need for criminal justice reform and, and addressing issues of mass incarceration. I mean, we incarcerate the home of the brave, land of the free. We incarcerate more people than any country on earth. That should be pr- problematic. And and so I think there's a there, there's probably several things um, an amalgam of things that contributed to why different people voted voted for me, um, but but yeah, I think there's some who did feel that there was some unfairness in the way that it was handled, and um, but at the same time, I don't want to um, not at least acknowledge those who felt other re- you know that that saw other reasons of of why we needed to change. And I had people who told me like, you know what. We got to change what our city looks like or what our community, what our county looks like. And so I think there was an amalgam of things that contributed. One of the things I find, one of the elements of this show is we take questions from the audience. And I feel like every week, Wesley, I get people said, what are your opinion on this with regard to St. Louis? I grew up in South City. um, And so this will oftentimes uh, come up. uh, And that is, uh, you know, what do you think about where St. Louis sits in 2018? Mm-hmm. And I tell the story of growing up in South City, mm-hmm. 100% true. My family still lives there, Tam Avenue. 
Uh, before or after your NFL football career. <laughs> I'm just saying because we talked about yeah. that. Once, once I played in the league for 10 okay. years at linebacker, now okay. I'm living in Huntley, of course. <laughs> yeah. I think we played on the same team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We were on the same team. Uh, but I recall growing up, and I didn't understand it, and there was uh, there was somebody on our street, and I remember hearing, if one of them move in, mm-hmm. we're putting a for sale sign on our front yard. And I remember thinking to myself, what what is that? What I don't get it. Like, right. what does that mean? And I'm thinking that like it's six or seven years old. And so I have always, anytime I talk about the state of St. Louis, so to speak, uh, I talk about what I believe to be a monstrous racial issue. Uh, and And so... With regard to you and your election, and specifically to what we were just talking about with regard to Ferguson, I feel like if you live in one part of the region, you feel like Ferguson was mishandled. Mm-hmm. And if you live in another part of the region, of course, you can't paint this with an entire brush, but I'm, I would imagine the data would show mm-hmm. this. You feel like Ferguson was handled properly. Uh, and so then to have a conversation about it, it's like it's it's almost like talking politics right now. If you watch one station, you think this. And if you watch another station, you think that. From your perspective... How do you view that case and the way with which it was handled? And that's what I can talk about because I'm not the county prosecutor as of yet, so I can't review any evidence. So I don't know exactly if the right or wrong conclusion was drawn, but how it was handled. I can view that from someone who's been involved in the criminal justice system for 20 years. Um, Justice is about consistency. When you start changing up a process you are going to lose the confidence of those who are saying, well, why are you treating this situation differently? you got to be consistent. you got to be transparent. And I want people to understand this. The average grand jury hearing is 45 minutes to an hour. That's it. When you, with a grand jury hearing, it is to bring evidence that supports probable cause. It's not to bring evidence supporting the defense. It is rare to invite the defendant to come into a grand jury hearing and to be able to just freely speak. Those things were were not handled the way that they had been handled for 30 years in St. Louis County and probably beyond that. And so that breeds distrust in the process. And what I've always said is that if And I'll use myself in this situation as a hypothetical. If I believe that an individual should or should not be charged, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say that. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to be transparent and let you see the evidence to see why I reached that decision. So one thing that I've always that I'll take from Ferguson is that let people know where you stand. But in this situation, any attorney and, and don't take my word, if you know some attorneys, criminal justice attorneys, prosecutors, defense attorneys. If a prosecutor wants an indictment, they're going to get it. Now, having said that, um, I'm focusing, and again, this answer is in the context of how it was handled. And that's what I disagree with. And I've said that before, and I'm not saying anything new. I disagree with how it was handled because it wasn't handled consistently or consistent with how that office has handled similar cases or any cases in the past. And so um, don't know if the right conclusion was reached. You know, it's done. I mean, there's, there's, you know, that 
they they it, it was handled it was done it was decided the way it was decided that, that 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 that's in the past but what i will say is that um going forward you know we're going to be consistent we're going to be transparent and we're going to answer questions and if if and if and if i'm making a decision be it popular or unpopular i'm going to be guided by my conscience and and be willing to stand up and 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 uh, say why and, and let people know why, I should say. Well, I recently made the switch, and I'm very happy that I did, to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And it's something as simple as this, but it means so much. You know, I, I, I care about customer service. I always talk about customer service. But when it comes to insurance, and especially when you have a family, the, the worst thing that could possibly happen is something devastating occurs and you're thinking you're covered and then you're not covered. And so with whom I used to work, I didn't ever hear from them. Um, and, you know, I think it was just kind of like a, you know, well, if you need something, hit me up. But if not, you know, we'll take your cash and that'll be that. And so I got the sense in talking to a couple of people are like, do you have this? Do you have this? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. And then I bounced it off of James and he goes, well, honestly, I can't, I can't tell you cause I can't look at your policy. And he goes, don't switch. Cause then it's going to cause all these issues. And I don't want to have that. I just, it, he goes, you know, I'm happy with all the response I'm getting from being on the podcast. That's great. But I don't want to have chaos with you switching agents because it's going to look like you're doing it just because I'm advertising. And I'm like, I gotta be honest with you because what you've done already for us, I got to switch. My, my responsibility is to my family. And then I meet with James and he points out a variety of things that I didn't have, one major thing, and then a couple of things that I could have that are so inexpensive, so inexpensive. I mean, we're talking about like dollars, uh, like single digit. Just why not? And, and here's the thing. There's a good chance you might not be covered for something that you think you are, and it just is giving you peace of mind in the customer service you'll get from James and the six people in his office you're not going to find anything better. It's why his business is thriving and why so many people in our audience have made the switch. And the nice thing is, it's not like you got to do a bunch of paperwork. They do it for you. His number is 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. In the midterms, we were inundated with constant, I mean, it's ad nauseum uh, ads. I mean, it's every commercial break, and it's every commercial and every commercial break, and people are exhausted by it and don't know who they can believe and who they can't. To me, my read is that, uh, I, I, and I say this as a compliment, but I can imagine you might go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, but as an idealist, somebody who, who is working for the greater good mm-hmm. and is doing this because you believe it's the right thing and the best thing for the area. But then oftentimes I think there are people who go into office feeling that way and then the, then the system or whatever it is makes them go, oh my God, this is, this is so steep of a climb. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the changes that I want to institute. You are on the threshold of officially becoming the St. Louis County prosecutor. How do you view that scenario? Because you know you're going to have some battles. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I have always had a problem with what I call career politicians. And let me explain what I mean by career politicians. Those those individuals who have not, um, who don't have, you know, any ex- work experience or career to fall back on, and and not to criticize them, but it increases the likelihood of of being pulled by different interest groups when you have to worry solely about reelection because you don't have anything to fall back on. Um, you know, I'm an attorney, love practicing law, 
I love serving the public in that manner. Um, I'm a professor. I, I had the criminal justice department at St. Louis Community College. I love teaching young people. So I come into this from the from the mindset that I'm going to do what I think is right. And if at some point voters say, we don't want you anymore, I'm going to go right back to doing what I was doing, loving loving what I do, working with young people, be able to take more vacations. Um, and so I think because of that, um, I'm not as concerned about the reelection component as I am like, look, we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to do the best job that we can. Now, one advantage I have, and this is comparative to my time on the council, which technically I'm still on the council, um, is that as a council member, anything that I do, I have to get approval of at least three more council persons. As a prosecutor, I don't. Um, we have a lot of discretion, and I can go, that can be abused, mm-hmm. or it can be used for good. I intend to, tend to use it for good. And so when we implement, um, when, we, when, when I say that we're going to expand um, um, the, the number of people that we allow in drug treatment and mental health treatment, that's going to get done. It's just a matter of how much we can do it. But that's going to get done. And, and so that's one of the things that has me excited about this position is that, man, look, I'm going in. Um, I'm going in and I'm going to push. And and these are things that I know will benefit St. Louis County. And now, having said that, we're going to reach out and we're going to have partners in this. So I've, we've been um, doing our listening tour with chiefs. There's, I think, about 50 chiefs in this region. And and we've probably met with about half of them so far. So my calendar's been full. We're going to work with the county council. We're going to work with the county executive. We're going to work with the judges, who I've also started meeting with. We're going to meet with community groups. This is going to be a partnership. This is going to be a we thing because one thing, another thing that I've learned is that if you go it alone and things go wrong, it's harder to fix because now people are pointing the finger at you. Mm. But when everyone's included on it, not only are you more likely to get to the right answer, but if you don't get to the right answer, we all take ownership and those are easier problems to fix. I think a lot of people are going to hear you probably for the first time, with the exception of maybe some sound bites on election night, uh, and go, I like what this guy has to say. This is encouraging because there are a lot of people who go, we need change in this region. Um, even I'm certain people who voted for Bob McCullough, in part maybe just out of, they just didn't know any, any other candidate, really. And Tim, and let me say this, for those who didn't support and that supported my opponent. Look, I'm hoping to earn your support as well. So let's all get on board. You know, we're here for at least four years. Let's not let's not sit on the fence because these this this is a public safety issue. This is about our community. So whatever side you fell on, let's let's circle the wagons and 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 work together to to, to bring St. Louis County back. I think when people hear that, they go, man, this is, this is somebody, because it, it sounds similar in some capacity to Mark Montavani, who came in a couple of different times. And I think a lot of people are going, man, I wish he would have been a able to. close race. Uh, I know, especially considering all of the circumstances from a from a political standpoint that would have made it a, a steep climb for him. And I think did. And he still almost won. Um, but Mark sat here and he goes, listen, now he was, I think, around 62, if I'm not mistaken, and had been very successful as as a businessman, but he said, I have no other interest in any other position politically mm-hmm. other than St. Louis County uh, executive. Uh, you're a young 
gentleman here. Um, do you have aspirations? You know what? It, I, I, it, it's so funny. You People say, you know, you're running against a 27-year incumbent. People saying you can't win. And as soon as you win, like, before you take office, and I'm serious, like, I've gotten this question so many times. Listen, I am focused on January 1st. We want to hit the ground running. And so this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I, I can't tell you how honored I am to serve St. Louis County in this particular position. So, you know, there's other people who are who are talking about other things, man, I'm in a, the, in a dream job. So I'm not thinking about that now. Who knows what the future holds? I'm not going to sit here and say something. And then we have to come back on the podcast. Yeah. Wesley, and you play hey, the tape. Four years ago. Right, let me play this Tell tape, me what this Wesley. Is all about. I'll be you know, Chuck so, Todd and I'll hold you accountable. Right. So <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but I'm just telling you. And, and I think it we can, you know, you intimated it with the conversations with Preston and, 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 and others is that this is a job that I, that I'm, I, I'm just excited about. I, I think this, uh, you know, I, you know, they say you don't if, if you love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. So when people say, man, like, you know, like they know I've only had maybe five or six days off since January, mm. but it doesn't feel I'm tired, but it doesn't feel that way because I love what I do. Yeah. I love the people that I'm around, you know, like, you know, just driving over here like we're, we're joking. You know, we got a good crew that we, we like each other. And so, uh, man, I'm in. I, I'm I'm living the dream right now. So I'm focused on January first, and that's it. Well, all I can do is ask. <laughs> yeah, fair question. I got a fair score. question, man. <laughs> uh, so you want to talk about uh, some some sports, and that's certainly what I do in part for a living. You've already acknowledged. God bless you, Tim. Uh, so you've already acknowledged St. Louis U High's superiority in 1991, <laughs> which was gentlemanly of you. And, and I think people already knew it, but it was kind of you to... This interview's over. <laughs> to acknowledge that. I can't so, work like this. So what is what is growing up like? Is there a moment, or even now, like your favorite as a St. Louis area sports fan, a Mizzou mm-hmm. guy, you look at it and you go, that was the best. Because to me, there's one that stands out for me that I can't even believe happened, and that's Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. That was like euphoric after euphoric after euphoric, and it culminates with the home run. Let me tell you my story about Game 6. All right. So I'm in a uh, uh, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm a, in a season ticket pool. And and so when the playoffs come, we draw for, for, uh, for tickets. So you're drawing, you're not drafting. So we draft our games during the regular season. Uh-huh. But then we draw in the playoffs, and, you know, it's a system It's just where chance now. It's chance. All right. Exactly. So one of the games I drew was game six. Oh. Here's the thing, though. I am a diehard Cardinal fan, and so they were on the verge of elimination. I had no interest in being there if they were eliminated. That's how I was in the 87 NLCS. I didn't want to be there. And... My thoughts were, if they do win, one of my bucket list items is to be at a clinching game and game seven of a World Series. That's like super bucket list. Absolutely. So I traded game six for game seven. Oh, I think that's a good deal. I mean, I realize we're doing results oriented here. I get that. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a bad deal, but I, I missed I'm one of the most iconic. I'm surprised you were able to get that deal. Well, but there was no guarantee that there would be a game seven. Ah, so you made the trade the day of? Like the day before. Okay. All yeah, right, right, right. Something like that. And so I missed an iconic game. And as a matter of fact, our, my seats are 10 feet from where the home run was hit. I would have got that ball. You know, in the grass patch, <laughs> yeah. we sit right there on the end. So I'm right there on the end. 
it would have been an easy hop over and I would have <laughs> took that ticket. I would have took that ticket. So, yeah, but I got to see game seven. I was there and where I was sitting, I got to throw confetti because they, they come around. I didn't know this. I guess there's not a lot of protocol because it doesn't happen often <laughs> that much, but they bring it up to the top and they ask people on the ends, hey, you want to throw confetti? Oh, I didn't know this. So I was throwing confetti. Um, oh, it was awesome. So, yeah, it was still nice. But yeah, I wish I would have been able to go to Game Six well, too. So here, here, so I'm, so we have something in common on this. First off, in '87, when I'm 10 years old, I guess I just turned 11. The heat was on, baby. That's right. And I was so <laughs> into it that I didn't want to see the Giants celebrate on the Cardinals field. But we were lucky enough to get tickets. You were thinking those thoughts at 10? Yes, that's how. That's I'm messed pretty, up. I mean, I think you're pretty. Hey, it's man, pretty, pretty clear messed up as it is. But now here you go. So I said to my mom, I don't want to go to the game. Whiny little South City kid. I don't want to watch the Giants celebrate Jeffrey Leonard and the one flap down. I don't want to watch that. Hated Jeffrey Leonard. Thank you. And Chili Davis. And he's oh, calling yeah. it a cow town. So there were cowbells all over uh, uh, game six. But we wound up going. The Cardinals win. And then they wind up winning in game seven. But here I am now, nearly 30 years later. I'm covering Cardinals and Astros game five in 2005. Is this the home run? Yes. Okay, so I'm nearly 30 now. So you you would think there'd be some emotional maturity. Uh, no, but there's not. <laughs> and I and, and, and I was working at KMOV, and so the game's past 10:30. So I'm not going to have to go live. So I'm just essentially there as a fan at this point. And I'm in my hotel is a couple blocks down from Minute Maid Park, and I'm like, these Astros fans are going crazy. I don't want to be here when they win because Lance Berkman hit like a little flip home run down those Crawford boxes, mm. which is like 300 feet away, and I was pissed. So I go, I'm leaving. I'm going to watch the rest of it in my hotel room. And so when Pujols hit the ball off a ledge, I'm in my hotel room because I didn't want to watch the Astros sell I'm nearly 30 years old when this happens. It's inexcusable. I, this is what this is how messed up I am. But, Tim, I, I feel your pain. Like, if, when the Cardinals lose, like, I'm in a horrible mood all day still. Like, still, I'm in a bad mood. Um, you know, and I'm the, and I'm petty like that. Like the team that I hate most is always the team that's beat the Cardinals. Yeah. Like you know, the 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 Giants. I hate the Giants. <laughs> like I don't understand anyone who like my mom when the Cubs were in the World Series a couple years ago. Yeah, we have a lot of family in Chicago, so she was like kind of rooting because well they've never won. Our family's up there. I'm like mom. Are you serious? Yeah, Kansas like, I was never really wins upset. football. You don't cheer for Kansas. <laughs> and I love my mother. She's like best friend in the world, but I didn't talk to her for a day. It's, it's horrible. I, I know that it's a problem. Um, and so I'm trying to develop some emotional maturity when it comes to the, the Cardinals and, and, the, uh, and, and Mizzou. And I'm, I hate the Rams because they left. <laughs> That's something I'm that trying. can unify the entire region. Exactly. That and I'm trying not to be petty like that, but they, I, I don't like the way. It's more cronky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more yeah, they, I like they, kicked, they kicked the region on the way out the door. They, they knew they were going to the go. Region, they lied. And it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. You know, stand up and said, hey, I can't blame you for wanting to move to L.A., but don't lie to us. Yeah. I, I think that's kick, what we Don't both. kick the body on the way out the door. Exactly. That's the thing I don't, I don't get for the life of we it. We supported them more so than they're being supported in L.A. Yeah. We more continue. Packers fans there than at the Coliseum, the Rams fans, oh, and yeah. they were undefeated. We still get higher Nielsen ratings yeah. here for Rams games Tate than watching. in L.A. It's hate watching. It's hard. And now they're going to sit there and go undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hard. It, it, yeah. I'm, uh, Mizzou football moments. Is there any Mizzou football moments? <sighs> One of my favorite events I've ever been to, for real. Like, I've been lucky enough to go to a lot of these things. Missouri mm-hmm. beating Kansas. To become number one in 2007, Todd Reesing awesome. has the sod in his uh, helmet as they come off the field. Anything stand out to you? Because we've had some uh, good fortune here over the last 10 or 11 years with being a win away from playing for the national championship. Who would ever thought that when we were down there? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and this is uh, another um, emotional 
episode with me because one of my best friends is an OU fan. So he's been tormented. Ken Strawbridge will probably be listening to this. He has tormented, tormented me because he's usually been on the winning side. And I think that was the year where we were one game away from playing from the for the title national championship, the Big 12 championship. Breaks off know. of us. That was the worst. Still upset about that. Um, and so we've had a lot of heartache as Masu fifth down. And, and I'm telling you, in the, in the, and in, in, when we start talking about Mizzou history, that pass interference call last week is one of them. And I'm not one that I, I know how hard it is to be a, an, an official, a referee. I know that's tough, but that's Deckinger-ish. <laughs> that was a horrible call. We had an opportunity to beat the number 12 team in the nation, and it was taken. Now, there's some things that we did that messed it up. So I'm trying to think of, you know, I'm, I'm probably with you as, you know, just getting there. Close to the national title, which I would have never thought with Mizzou. Oh yeah, um, and that the the, the game against um, was it Auburn? Auburn in 2013, where Trey Mason I ran for like, like we 700 won, yards. I know we I was won there that game. to walk into the building that day and go, "Oh my God!" The my glove alma mater. game. Yes, yes, like, yes. I mean, he's he's got gloves on. Like seriously, <laughs> make him throw. Um, he's got gloves. But I try not to harp on the negative stuff. But as Mizzou fans. It's hard not to because it, you know, but we've had, we had some good runs um, and yeah, so I think that's where I would, it's hard, man. I know. And I'm, I'm still reeling from so, last I mean, fifth week. Fifth down, you have Tyus Edney, you have the flea kicker against oh, Nebraska, God. you have Norfolk In, State, uh, you have Northern Illinois, thing. first year, the first round of the turn, oh, tournament. Oh, Northern Iowa. Northern like, Iowa. Uh, 88 or 89, the three-pointer from the side. I think I was in junior high or something like that. Our teacher let us watch it on television. And, yeah, you know, we had AP, Doug Smith. We're thinking, oh, this team, we're going deep. And then, seriously? <laughs> Northern Iowa. But Edney, that hurts. Yeah. yeah, the biggest upset in NCAA history, statistically, is Missouri North, uh, Norfolk State, 2012. Yeah, right. Yeah, a two yeah. seed, and they were that big of a favorite. Yeah. The, the potential of the Quinn Snyder years, you're thinking, man, this is our time. Right. we got the guy, he's getting the recruits, and falls apart. Yeah, it was a mess. I, well, I th- my five favorite moment, I think, though, has to be Steve Schnur to Jason Dulick, fourth and 25 at Melville. Uh, and I think that was after SLU had beaten Hazelwood East. <laughs> so so you're going to go back there? <laughs> I just gotta, I just gotta finish with a knockout punch. I mean, what else am I gonna do? Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you so Nicely much. Done. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley, thanks so much for coming in, man. My it's been pleasure. A pleasure. Thank My you. My pleasure. So there it is, Wesley Bell with us here on the Tim McKernan Show. Always welcoming your feedback. Email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. That's T M C K E R N A N at insidestl.com. Always want your feedback. And uh, and and I enjoy having, uh, at the very least, reading. And like I, I say often, and I, but I, I say it even though it's repetitive, even if my response is not very long, I read the emails and I do enjoy reading them. It's just I'm getting a lot of emails and I can't give long uh, responses, especially when people write super long emails. But I do like to get the feedback. So uh, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors for making it possible. Thank you to Wesley for coming in. Uh, and, uh, and, and Gangster Pete and Nick for producing the podcast and shooting the videos. Uh, it is, uh, a great thrill to be able to interview so many people from so many different, uh, uh, careers in St. Louis area, 
uh, business, whether it be sports, entertainment, politics, media, whatever the case might be. And it's a credit to these guys that we continue to get the caliber of guests that we do and then have the conversations that we do and questions from the audience and the Pick 6 podcast. Please subscribe to the Tim McCurden Show. Uh, I know that it's spreading by word of mouth, but you subscribe and you get it and you can listen to it whenever you want. It is the Tim McCurden Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. Studio sponsors, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Sponsor of our guests, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Mike Judy presents a fine sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show. And then also Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, and Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. All making the program possible. Grateful for their support. Thank you, for Wesley, for coming in. And thank you to you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.